The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Besides Still Waters. Glad you could join me today. And we are uh, sharing from the Word of God on a series called Life or Loss, Choosing Life or Loss. We last looked at a man, Gideon, who chose life even after failure, both nationally and personally. And we saw how God redeemed this man's life and used him to be a blessing and a deliverer of the nation of Israel. And that gives us hope as disciples, as devotees of the Lord Jesus Christ, that even though we fall short, and we do, we all do, that is the nature of simply being human. Yet with God there is mercy. We find that in Hebrews chapter 4. And there is grace for the needed uh, strength and enablement during trial. But we're going to look at a man, unfortunately, who after he had been given life opportunities to do good, to be a blessing, he chose loss. And I know it sounds strange that a Christian would choose loss after having been given opportunities for life, for blessing, for good, uh, to make a difference in the lives of others. And that's where we are. And we are looking at the life of the first king of Israel, King Saul. Now, this is not an exhaustive look, and uh, I want to caution you that you may learn some things about his life and his leadership that might be a bit unsavory. However, we have to consider that the Bible uh, is both prescriptive and descriptive. Often in the Old Testament, circumstances, situations are presented to us as a descriptive narrative with an embedded lesson, a learning, something we can extract. And very often when we go to the New, Test- the New Testament, we see what is prescriptive and what we can extract from the old. Both are of great value, but we have to be discerning. And there are times that the Spirit of God will give us a narrative and give us details that to the 21st century ear, it sounds harsh. Nonetheless, 
we will venture forth to learn about this king who, after he had been given so many opportunities for life and blessing and for the establishment of his kingdom, uh, he took matters into his own hands. And that's sort of the, the key thought, the key strain throughout the, his entire life and leadership. He took matters into his own hands. There are times that that might work for us, but very often when uh, a follower of Jehovah, Old Testament, is given instructions, uh, the expectation is that it would be carried out, if you will, to the letter. So we're going to pick up uh, the life of King Saul when he was uh, doing battle with his uh, familiar enemies, the Philistines. And uh, there was a particular day during uh, the battle, uh, and we learn about this in 1 Samuel chapter 14 at around the 24th verse, but uh, we are told that the, the, uh, the men of Israel were distressed because Saul had uh, laid a curse on the people that if anyone ate any food until sundown before he had avenged his enemies, of course, there would be penalties for that. So the men were famished as a result. And uh, unknown to them, Jonathan, who was not there when he, when he laid this burden on the people, uh, found some honey and dipped his spear in the honeycomb and uh, ate it. And he was revived. And the people, of course, told him that your father straightly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is the man that ate any food this day. But the people were faint. They were hungry. They were famished. And here is Jonathan. This is Saul's son. Here's his assessment about his own father. And he said, My father's troubled the land. In other words, in the vernacular, what's, what is my father doing? What is, what, is, what is he doing? And then he says to the people, look at me, look at my eyes. Look at what happened when I ate this honey. And how greater would have been the victory if the people weren't, uh, didn't have this oath placed on them that they would be cursed if they did not follow through. It was really rather sad. And so ultimately, you know, Jonathan comes together with, with the army and meets his father. And uh, his father called upon Jehovah, but Jehovah didn't answer him that day. So evidently, Saul thought, okay, let's find out why God isn't answering us. And uh, later on in the narrative, uh, Saul even said, and normally when they invoke Jehovah, okay, when they say, as the Lord lives, you know, that means that, no one short of God is going to stop me from doing what I'm about to do. And he says, as the Lord lives, which saved Israel, even if it is Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. Now, this king did not even take into account that his son might have been the very one that brought about a deliverance of Israel. And at the end of this, when he realized that Jonathan broke his oath, it was the people, it was the soldiers 
that told the king, Jonathan is not going to die. Why? Because he is the one that brought about a great deliverance in Israel. God forbid. Now they invoked Jehovah and they said, as the Lord lives, there shall not one hair on Jonathan's head fall to the ground. Why? Because he brought about deliverance with God. So the people, we are told, rescued Jonathan so that he wouldn't die. Now here's this king that he was so incensed that his word was not followed, he was willing to put to death his own son through whom God brought about victory. How sad is that? That someone who has been given opportunities to be a blessing by the hand of God to other people has taken their life and conduct and then charted a path away from God, but really, it was their own way. In fact, in, in, uh, in the New Testament, Paul, writing about the condition of all men, and he said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And he was, of course, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord had laid on him, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ, all of our sin all of our moral shortcomings. But this is the condition of every man. This is what we are in essence. We are prone to go astray. I don't want to admit it, but that's what's in me. I see it in me. I'm sure you see it in you. It's so easy to go our own way. And so now we see that God delivered Jonathan by the hand of the people because God used him to bring about a victory, a great victory. But uh, Saul's circumstance even gets worse. Now, back in Exodus, we don't have time to, to really go to it, but in Exodus chapter 17, uh, when Israel was on the way to the land of promise, Amalek just rose up and waged war with Israel. And if you recall, that was the circumstance in which it necessitated that uh, Moses go on the hill and his hands had to be held up, uh, assisted, so that Israel would have the victory over Amalek. And Jehovah swore that he would make war with Amalek until Amalek is completely wiped out from under heaven. Okay? So we fast forward to the reign of this first king. And then Samuel comes to, to uh, Saul and says, this is what Jehovah of hosts says. Remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. So essentially, Amalek ambushed the people and it necessitated uh, warfare, uh, which Joshua prevailed, the scripture says, by the edge of the sword. So now Saul is given the responsibility to wipe out the Amalekites. And what happens? Well, we are told in 1 Samuel 15 that Saul spared Agag, that was the king, and he spared the best of the sheep and the oxen and the lambs and anything that was good. He simply did not destroy them. However, Jehovah's word was, wipe them out. <laughs> Everything is going to die. Now, I know that sounds rather harsh, but we need to remember something about the nature of God. God is holy. God is holy. 
And for us unholy men, we have a difficult, it's a difficult exercise to think of the, the nature of God that there's no wiggle room. But my friends, I want to tell you something. We are told in 1 Peter chapter 2, we are commanded to be holy for I am holy. And Peter wrote, if you invoke, if you call upon God as Father, then pass the time of your sojourn on earth in fear, in reverence of God because he's holy. And we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, it behooves us to be sensitive to his presence in us and in our lives. This is of great importance because Saul disregarded this one fact about God, this one attribute that was absolutely essential. He laid it aside. And he went contrary to what he was commanded to do. Now, ultimately, that day, Samuel came. And before Samuel came, Jehovah spoke to Samuel and said, It, it repented me that I have set Saul to be king. He has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Now, that was the divine assessment. And it grieved Samuel, and Samuel cried unto God. So here is Samuel interceding for Saul. But God had already spoken, I, I regret making Saul the king. So the next morning, Samuel goes to uh, uh, Saul. And this is, this is Saul's assessment of his actions. Now, I want you to pay attention, because he blesses uh, Samuel in verse 13, and he says to Samuel, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now remember, he was told, wipe him out. <laughs> Everything, anything that breathes, it's got to die. And he spared some of the livestock and he spared the king. And Samuel said, then what is the sound of the bleeding of sheep that I hear? And Saul said this. Now this is the the, the, the second quality about Saul. Remember, the first thing we learned is he was willing to kill his own son because he felt that his word was challenged, even after he heard the facts that Jonathan wasn't there when he gave this, when he laid this oath on the people. But that did not matter. <clears throat> now, the second quality we learn about Saul is that he really has no discernment in determining when the will of God has truly been done. So Saul said, they, that is the people, brought them from the Amalekites, and the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord God, and the rest we destroyed. So essentially what he said is, he blamed his people, well, the people did it, but even though they did it, we are going to sacrifice it to Jehovah. Now, that was not what he was told. And Samuel told him, I want you to stay here. I'm presuming the people were not in earshot. And he said, when you were of no worth, when you were little, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel. You were an anointed king. And God sent you on a, on a journey to destroy the Amalekites and to fight them until they were consumed. That was the command. Why did you not obey the Lord but Literally, 
leaped on the spoil and did what was evil in God's sight. And here is the, the coup de grace, if you will, the, 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 the main point, the, the thinking of this king. And he said to Samuel, yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I have gone the way which the Lord has sent me, and I've brought Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and I've destroyed the Amalekites. Now, he condemned himself because he says, I'm going to bring the king to you. I'm going to show you. And the word of the Lord was, everything has to go. And what came from Samuel's mouth is an assessment that we all must simply take heed of, lest we, like King Saul, blessed with the opportunity for life and receive those opportunities within our own hands, forfeit it because we chose loss. We chose our own way. My friends, Here's the essence of the error that King Saul made. He had all the opportunities and information and knowledge and experience. If you were to read the narrative of his life up to this point, he experienced spiritual blessing. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him and using him. And he forfeited that to have his own way. And you ask yourself, what is the greatest detriment to the spiritual life, to the walk with God? What is the greatest hindrance to any devotee of the Lord Jesus Christ endeavoring to continually meet with God beside still waters? What is it? It is simply this. My own way. Nothing hinders fellowship with God like self-will. Nothing interferes with the awareness of the presence and blessing of God like self-will. There is nothing that invokes divine displeasure, the grieving of his spirit, the quenching of the Holy Spirit of God, like self-will. And so Samuel said to this man, Does the Lord have great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is better to obey than to sacrifice and to listen with an intent to do than offering the fat of rams. And then he goes on to add greater clarity. He said rebellion, meaning your own way, knowing the will of God, making a hard left turn, and concluding, I'm going to do what I want to do. And he says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, which we will come to regarding King Saul in the end. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And he says, Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, 
He has rejected you from being king. That is the divine conclusion on the the, uh, kingship and life of King Saul. He chose his own way, and the sentence was, you rejected my word, I've rejected your kingship. I'm going to pass the baton of your kingship to someone else. Now, that's really, that, that's difficult. I, I have to tell you, that's, that's, that's unfortunate. But I would say to you, as a word of caution, many people ask, well, you know, can I, they catalog, quote unquote, moral defects. You know, what's bad, what's not too bad. But from God's perspective, any moral defect comes under the category of self-will. We are told all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That is the sentence on all mankind. There's not a person that can look you in the eye and say, well, I'm not that bad. You're right. There might be people out there better than you and me, but guess what? We have all chosen our own way. And now, especially for the devotee of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the disciple, for the follower, the greatest hindrance, the greatest blockage, the thing that interferes with Just that sweet fellowship, that knowledge of God, that awareness that God is with me. What hinders answers to prayer is self-will. So lastly, Saul, at one point, uh, just about at the end of his kingdom, in fact, days before his death, uh, he was going to be in the armies fighting with the uh, Philistines. And Samuel was now dead, so he couldn't, of course, go to Samuel because that relationship was broken. He had no voice, no uh, access to Jehovah. And now he was afraid because he saw the multitude of the Philistines who came to fight with him. And he was afraid. What do you do in a circumstance like this? Well, what he did is he sought the help of a witch. (laughs) He had made it part of his kingdom to put away anyone with what was called a familiar spirit. Uh, Those who can conjure up the dead, if you will, and communicate with departed souls. He pretty much had wiped them out of Israel. And uh, when he saw all of the Philistines gathered together, we are told in chapter 28, his heart greatly trembled. He was terrified. And he inquired of Jehovah, and Jehovah did not answer him, neither by dreams or by Urim nor by prophets. And what does Saul do? (laughs) He said, seek me a woman that has a familiar spirit. I mean, It doesn't get any worse than this. He wanted the help of a medium. And that was the end of Saul because he brought up uh, Samuel and this, at this meeting, he was told by Samuel that you are going to die 
this very day. The sentence of death was upon him. There was nothing he could do. And sad to say, uh, when you look at, uh, at Saul's life at the very end, uh, we are told that the Philistines in chapter 31 fought against Israel. The men of Israel fled from the Philistines and they were slain on Mount Gilboa. And then they, the, the Philistines came after Saul and his sons and they were slain. And the battle went sore against Saul and the archers came after him and apparently he was, he was uh, mortally wounded by the archers and he said to his armor-bearer, draw out your sword and kill me. And when his armor-bearer would not, because his armor-bearer was terrified, Saul fell on his own sword, and so did his armor-bearer. And my friends, you look at a king, you assess his life, he was given great opportunity, and sometimes we are too. It's, it's, it's a sad reality, but this is why we are given the light of the scriptures. We are, we are given the description, and we can extract the prescription. And the prescription is, self-will always ends with my loss. There is no way around this, my friends. This is the great error of the Christian. This is that which interferes with one's walk with God. This is that which gives the sense that God is so far from me. But my friends, we have a choice. We can choose, for example, like Gideon. And in spite of our reticence, our fear, we can choose the way of faith the way of the closet, to meet God alone and there tell him of our weakness. Call upon him for his mercy. Beseech him for grace to live the Christian life as a devoted follower. I know we all struggle at times to have a consistent walk, experience of God's presence. But it begins with the willingness to surrender my will for the will of God. And at those times when I feel my weakness acutely, to turn to God and beseech him for mercy and help in the hour of trial. Oh, my friends, let us not be like King Saul to choose our own way. It never ends with blessing to us or blessings to others. But let us draw near to God beside still waters and there prostrate our hearts and be on bended knee to ask God to look at us with mercy and pity because our desire is to cling to him, to cleave to him, to walk with him beside still waters. May God help us so to do.
and to flee from the door that leads to our own way. God bless you. May God give us grace to continue to cling to Him. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.